0: You know it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball. and This is Jamie Retsky coming to you with episode number 27. Yes, 27. We'll talk about my favorite number 27. I suppose uh, next week we've got episode number 28. That goes to Wilbur Wood of the Chicago White Sox. I loved old Woody. Threw knuckleball all the time. He was great. But this is episode 27. And, uh, you know, we started episode 27 last Sunday uh, before the trade deadline, and let me tell you, uh, there wasn't much leading up to the trade deadline, and it was unenthusiastic. I listened to it. The production team listened to it, and they said, you know what? Throw that away. That is the worst 10 minutes of broadcast information ever put out on the lighter side of baseball it wasn't light, it wasn't heavy it was just kind of yucky and so I threw it away and I started all over again. So I did the second segment first and the first segment second so we're going to try to marry it up as we get to the 420 mark on my uh, my production team's uh, meter and when I get to that it may be a wicked transition, it may be a good transition, I don't know but I'm in a great mood because this Sunday and like last Sunday, the Cubs actually swept a series from the Brewers at home. They played great at home. Last Sunday, they were embarrassed in, in uh, I believe they were embarrassed in, in Milwaukee. They lost two out of three to the Giants, two out of three to the Brewers, two out of three to the Cardinals in St. Louis. They almost got no hit the last day. They got uh, beat 8 to nothing. Embarrassing loss by the Cubs. So then they left home to Wrigley Field on Friday, and uh, starting the uh, second day of August, uh, they beat the Brewers. Then yesterday, I took my granddaughter Paige to the game, where the Cubs won again. And it was fun because uh, not only did Paige go and enjoy every second of that baseball at the young age of a year and a half, but uh, she was accompanied by my son Andrew and Andrew's wife Ann, who's expecting another child here in January. And so this was another example of the generational shift in my family's baseball uh, you know I've talked about my dad and my brother and all the baseball that we attended. Then when I was uh, you know, a lot younger, I took Andrew, his brother Brad, and Josh, another son of mine, uh, to a lot of baseball games, and we uh, not only went to baseball games, but we played catch together, I coached some of their baseball teams, and that was always a fun experience, and I know that it will be just as significant to them when they get to be my age as it is to me now, looking back. There were a lot of funny episodes, but I'm always reminded that Andrew, who in a lot of ways is like Alvin the Chipmunk, uh we were at the 1987 All-Star Game in Oakland, California. And so Brad was 10, Andrew was 7, and uh, Josh was 5. And we were out there on a bachelor's trip with me and the three boys, Nellie and his crew from Scottsdale. He was the uh, director of minor league activities and instruction for Oakland at that time, so he got pretty good seats for the All-Star game, which was in Oakland. And, of course, I was on a tight budget. We were staying at the same hotel that the American League All-Stars were staying, and uh, at the restaurant, you know, we got dinner. Andrew ordered a, you know a nice big juicy hamburger, and he didn't feel like eating it, and I urged him to eat it and uh, he got sick. And so Dave and lots of other baseball players stood up and they were sort of yelling at me for making my kid get sick. But hey, that's a memory we'll never forget. I know Andrew will never forget it. But anyway, so we took his daughter to the game. She saw a cup victory. That was her first cup victory. She's been to the ballpark in Milwaukee. She has been uh, to the ballpark in Washington D.C. and now the third ballpark. At a ripe young age, she uh, took in the Cubs beating the Brewers yesterday and today they completed the sweep. So that was awesome. That was great sweep of the Brewers. They're going the wrong direction. They have no pitching. The Cubs beat up today on mediocre pitching, which they're prone to do. We'll see how they do in this next series with Oakland, who just finished beating up on the St. Louis Cardinals. Yay! So the Cubs have a a one-and-a-half game lead as we go into August 5th, tomorrow, where they take on Oakland in a three-game series. So, interestingly, the uh, uh, first four pitchers, two on the Cubs, two on the uh, A's, each have the same record, seven and four. So something's got to give. And... uh, you know that information came to you courtesy of the Chicago Cubs television broadcasting crew. Not me; didn't do the research there. But I am doing some research, and that'll be in the second segment where we talk about how pathetic the trade deadline was, how it was as uneventful as the um, uh, free agency. Uh, you know, something's goofy; it's going on. And, you know, the salaries may be so big that the teams don't want to make trades and take on all these big salaries, but. As I'll say in the later segment, the Astros were the ones that made the big deal with Grinky. So, this is episode 27. My favorite number 27, because he's a very nice man and was nice to me, is Juan Marichal Hall of Fame pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. And one of the great pitchers ever to come out of the Dominican Republic. However, Marichal was involved in a very ugly incident involving Johnny Roseboro and the Los Angeles Dodgers, a heated rivalry between the Giants and the Dodgers. And uh, Koufax kept pitching into Marichal, who, you know, like most national League hitters back in the '60s, could actually hit. And uh, hot day, close pitch to his head. He turned around and regrettably hit Johnny Roseboro over the head with his bat, which spurred a melee, and an article by Jimmy Cannon, who was a syndicated reporter, who uh, his article was published in the Chicago Daily News and said, hey, baseball's a dead sport. It's going away at the Buffalo, and uh, nobody likes it, and it's not really the national pastime. I took issue, wrote an article, and it was entitled, 15-Year-Old Goes to Bat for Baseball. I've got it sitting in my office frame because Juan Marichal was kind enough to sign that article, although he wouldn't sign the photograph of him uh, with the bat in his hand over Johnny Roseboro's head for the reason stated to me was that since Johnny Roseboro was no longer alive, he didn't feel like it was fair to uh, um, really highlight that incident. I think in reality, he was pretty ashamed of that incident. But, um, you know, water under the bridge, and uh, Juan was just a uh, gentleman, signed a ball, signed a bat, signed the article and I love that article. It's one of my top five bits of memorabilia, along with my Dick Hauser interview, and uh, Mickey Mantle Bat, Ted Williams Ball, which I forgot to tell you, this is a new segment where I try to bring up mistakes that I made, things that I omitted that I shouldn't have, and even though I don't have a long list, and I don't listen to the podcasts religiously all the time after I do them, because I'm sitting here listening to it as I do the podcast. I do from time to time make a few blunders. As I had pointed out to me that Pumpsey Green was not a center fielder for the Red Sox, the first African American to play for Boston on the last team to integrate, but really a second baseman, okay, that was a mistake. During my podcast with Mike Laux, I I got Mike to agree that Joe Madden was number 72. Now that shows you my power of persuasion that I had over juries. Mike agreed with me that he was number 72, but we were both wrong. He is number 70. And I also said that the Billy Williams statue was uh, on the other side of left field at Wrigley Field. It's not. It's down the right field corner with Ron and Harry, I believe. I'll go make sure of that. So, In addition to that, we talked a little bit about my Ted Williams baseball that Nelson Fox signed because Nellie Fox, you know, at one time wore a different number than he wore number two, and we talked about that in the last podcast. So I forgot to say that the reason I bought that Washington Senator baseball was because Ted signed the sweet spot, Nelson Fox signed that ball, and Davey Nelson, I never called him Davey, I don't know how in the world that held, but not that big a quantum leak to figure out why. Some people called him Davey, but he didn't really like it. Anyway, Dave Nelson signed right next to and below Ted Williams, so I forgot to talk about that. I'm going, oh my God, I cannot believe that I talked about the Ted Williams ball without talking about Dave Nelson on it, because Dave Nelson, here's some interesting trivia for you folks out there. Uh, about Dave Nelson, he scored the last run for the Washington Senators in RFK Stadium in Washington, D.C. before they went to Texas. And he scored the first run for the Texas Rangers. How about that? Now, he was the leadoff man, so I guess scoring the first run isn't that unusual. Uh, I can't even see if, if Nelly was still alive. I'd, I'd give him a little grief about his uh, batting average, and he let off a lot and with his batting average it's a bit of a stretch that he would have scored that first run but he can't really fight back and and in all reality as he knew and all of our friends knew I admired his professional baseball career as much as I admired him and uh, he was a great ball player and would have been even uh, greater for a longer period of time had he not run into at full speed another college football player Lenny Randall Uh, Lenny came out of that all right Dave didn't. But anyway, that's kind of the Dave Nelson on the baseball that I omitted. Uh, We were talking about other number 27s. Mike Trout comes to mind. Uh, I looked up uh, some data on war, wins above replacement, which I can't stand. I can't figure out. I don't understand. Even Babe Ruth has a war. Now, did they have sabermetrics in 1927 with the 27 murderer's row? No, I don't think so. But I looked up a little bit of war, and one of the highest wars was number 27, Scott Rowland. So that was pretty cool. Uh, there are a lot of other number 27s that I covered in the segment that I erased, but I figure if they were really exciting, uh, I would have remembered them. I don't remember them, and so we're not going to really dwell on them. So in the second segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the Cubs' resurgence, why they went at Wrigley, and why they don't win on the road. I just don't know. They must not like batting first. They must not like pitching last. They must not like the visitor's batting eye. They must not like the visitor's clubhouse, or maybe they just don't like being away from their family. I don't know. They need to turn it around, and i tell you what, here's a rare bit of optimism. I think they are going to turn it around. They go to Philadelphia and Pittsburgh on their next uh, road trip, and I think they're going to start dealing big time and so we're excited about that. We think the road uh, is going to turn around and I think they're going to be around in October. I'm clearing my October calendar, getting ready for October baseball because I am optimistic. I have pennant fever. I believe in those Cubs. So there you have it. The division other than the Cubs, you got the Cardinals, they're going to fade. They should have done something at the break, they at the deadline. They didn't do it. The Brewers are, you can stick a fork in them. And the thing is, nobody can go do anything to improve their team much because the only guys you can add to the roster are guys that are designated for assignment and then released and probably don't have a giant uh, salary, but they also don't have a lot of talent. So you're not going to be able to go out and get a good guy. So the teams can sort of relax and for two months... This is kind of a benefit of the new trade deadline for two months. You know what your opposition's going to do. You know they can't go out and hurt you on the 31st day of August by signing Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig or Tony uh, Conigliaro or Carl Yastrzemski. They can't do it. They just can't do it. And the phony deal about clearing waivers, you know, isn't going to happen again. They're not going to get Mike Trout. They're going to get nobody and so these are the teams. They're stuck with them. The Brewers are stuck with a crappy pitching staff. Now, they may get some guys back from the... Uh IL or the DL, but uh, they may not. The Cubs lost Wilson Contreras with a hammy. He's going to probably be out till August 31st. Ben Zobrist is back at uh, South Bend, Indiana playing uh, A-ball, trying to get his baseball talents back so that he'll be ready on September 1st. Uh, The Cubs have Addison Russell in the minor leagues. So, on September 1st, the Cubs are going to start acting like they made some big-time acquisitions. They're going to get Russell. They're going to get Zobi, They're going to get Wilson, Cohn, Treris back. So, again, I am pumped up for that, and we're going to get to segment number two in just a few seconds. So, until then, Jamie Oreske, lighter side of baseball, talk to you in a few minutes. And we're back on the lighter side of baseball, and I gotta tell you, folks, that was a tired first segment. It was so tired on Sunday that it's the next Sunday. It's August 4th. I couldn't take it. There was nothing going on. I mean, nothing. And I'm gonna recap the week because it got a little better, and there's a little more energy today in my voice because I've got a little more energy. This thing is just dragging on. The dog days of summer are here a little early. We gotta adjust the microphone and see if we can't get good quality recording because this next segment and the segment following, there may be three segments today because I'm going to go do a little research in between, but I got to tell you. I apologize to uh, to my listening audience, which is growing by leaps and bounds. That's right. If you tune into Apple, you can subscribe for free, and you get what you pay for. This show costs absolutely nothing, and I recommend it. My friends recommend it. We all recommend it because you might learn something, and I'm going to tell you today you're going to learn a few things because I'm going to recap the week that was because it really wasn't that much of a week that was. It was a week that wasn't. The trade deadline came and went. Bumgardner's still with the Giants. I love it. What a stupid move. I mean, why keep that, Bozo? You guys are out of it. You're not going to get in the playoffs if you do. It's a one-game playoff, and I say get out now. Nobody would take him. It's too late. The interesting thing about the... Uh, New rules on the trading deadline being July 31st. And, of course, they're talking about moving it because some people don't like it. They think it ought to be August 15th. You know, it was August 31st. What's the friggin' difference between two weeks? I like the way it is because now you can take a big, deep breath and realize this is the team. This is the team that's going to wherever they're going to. Last place in the case of the Royals, first place in the case of the Cubs. They're going to take off. The only way you can get another player added is take it out of your 40-man roster take it from your minor league teams, or if they have a stiff designated for assignment, like Brad Brock, he was designated for assignment. He can't clear waivers and go to another team. There's The Cubs have to either continue to pay him and keep him in the minor league, and the minor league's end August 31st, or they can release him. If they release him, then a team like the Milwaukee Brewers that desperately need pitching, and I'll tell you why they need pitching, because they... Pitched horribly, got swept by the Cubs. Oh my God, the Cubs look like those friggin' Yankees of 1927. They were hitting the ball everywhere. And oh, by the way, their hitting coach must have gone on vacation because they, and maybe Theo went with them because they weren't swinging for the fences. Uh, We'll cover that because it was a sweep. The Brewers are done. You can put a fork in them unless they get Whitey Ford back from the. Hall of Fame, they need something, they got no pitching, and uh, mainly because of injuries, so it's uh, not any fault of Craig Council, but they didn't do anything at the trade deadline, so I'm going to recap the trade deadline. We talked a week ago, uh, that was in the first segment, I said I was going to go out to Royal Stadium. On the way to Royal Stadium, uh, my buddies and I uh, went to a really, really, really bad (laughs) restaurant that invoked the name of The Windy City, and let me tell you what. It was the Windy City from 1940 with the uh, still mills working in Gary, Indiana, blowing back here. The food stunk bad, wasn't even good. I mean, the beer was cold, and the food was really, really bad. So I'm not going to name the restaurant because I don't want to bag on the restaurant. I'm sure they're trying hard, and uh, it just was bad, and I wouldn't go to it. I mean, you're better off having uh, Grubhub bring something from Portillo's in Chicago. It would be a three-day drive, but it would still taste better than what we had for dinner. Then we headed out to see the most sad team in baseball. Whit Merrifield, I guarantee he was praying to be traded to the Cubs. I had a great trade set up. I would have traded Ian Hap or Ian Hip, the, the guy that strikes out all the time. I'd have packaged him with Schwarber and maybe a pitcher or two to get uh, – Merrifield. But, um, you know, luckily that deal didn't go through because uh, the Cubs made some trades at the deadline that, um, you know, they've got a lot of depth. They've got a great lineup. Uh, and then some things happened this week that we'll uh, recap. But anyway, I think the Cubs are in pretty good shape now looking back. Uh, a few of our listeners have said, you know, you ought to start your segment, one segment during the broadcast, with uh, some of the things that you got wrong. So... I'm going to do that because I don't always go back and listen to my podcasts as interesting as they are. Sometimes in the car I listen to them, and occasionally in an hour-long podcast, three or four things are funny. I even think they're funny. Let me digress, as I often do. In the practice of law, as we went through the decades and decades and decades of arguing with people, depositions went from the court reporter taking down all the information and that being the loan, Uh, Reservoir of uh, truth-telling in the deposition To video depositions And man, oh man, I hated listening to myself Ask questions or if a transcript at a trial Was, uh, you know, orally taken down And uh, there was a video of it I didn't like listening to that And as great as my war stories are Practicing law, I just didn't like it But, I gotta say, I kinda like listening to uh me do these podcasts because there's always something funny, something dumb, something wrong, and they are better when I have guests. So I'm gonna try to get a few guests. I know I've been saying that for a long time, but anyway I'm gonna do that. And uh I should have gone to the Royals game today, Sunday, but I you know there, see I made a mistake. It was the Cubs game. Now, back to the mistakes. I said Madden wore number seventy two and Mike agreed with me, Mike Laugs, Mike who has really played to great reviews on the podcast audience. They love Mike. They, they might want Mike instead of me. But together, uh, it was a pretty good podcast. Anyway, neither Mike nor I caught the fact that Madden is not number 72. That's the year that I graduated from college. Madden is number 70. And That was one mistake. Another mistake, I said that uh, Billy Williams' statue was uh, in the left field area of Wrigley. That's not true. Sweet swinging Billy is in right field with Ron and Harry. So anyway, I got that corrected. And I'm sure there's some other mistakes that I've made. But uh, back to the Royals. The Royals are pathetic. Hands down, Dayton Moore and Ned Yost ought to hit the road. Guys are talking to me uh casually about how ned Yoss is a good manager and i go give me a break he's a horrible manager i've never really gotten into ned on this show but let me tell you if a guy gets fired a month before his team goes to the playoffs there's something wrong he had some things that were uh, a problem with his personality and his interaction with the team if you get my drift and so he got fired um Comes to Kansas City and falls into Hosmer, Musakas, Kane, and Escobar together with Holland and uh, other pitchers that went boom, 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 and they went into the World Series in 2014, and Baumgartner beat him, why we don't like Baumgartner, because of what he did to us, and... Then in 2015, they win the World Series, and they had Zobi, and we got a story on Zobi and a little news on Zobris. But anyway, uh, those were uh, good times, and it didn't have a thing to do with Ned Yost. He's about 100 games below 500 with the Royals, and he's worse when you look at his managerial record. If anybody even utters retiring that guy's number, I quit. I'm getting rid of my season tickets ASAP Arruda. So... You know, I'm afraid it's around the corner because he there's nobody else. Who are they gonna? Who else are they gonna retire? I mean, Zobrist wasn't there very long, Kane wasn't there very long, Escobar wasn't there very long, Hosmer wasn't there very long. Moose, he's having a great season with the Brewers. I love Moose, and that's it. Anyway, I love the Royals. I got great seats. I'm not getting rid of my tickets, even well if uh, I just don't see them retiring the number. Anyway, uh, so we went to the Royals game. There were The announced attendance was 10,000. That's baloney. There might have been, uh, you know, seven or 8,000. They played Toronto. Vlad Jr. was pretty good. Other than that, not so good. They got rid of Stroman a day later to the Mets. What a joke. Another mistake I forgot. The Alonzo. There happened to be two Alonzos that were with the Mets. The Mets traded the different Alonzo to the Rockies than the one I thought of. The home run Alonzo is still with the Mets, so again I apologize things happen and uh, I didn't need a burger at the ballgame because I was sort of sick from the food that we ate at that restaurant that I can't name and then uh, speaking of food we talked to our friend Bob who sells what I call Bob kebabs Uh, they may be the healthiest thing at the ballpark although he tries to have drizzled on chocolate and cheesecake uh, surrounded by fruit they're pretty good I'll give him a plug. Shout out to Bob with his Bob Kebabs. Uh, If Bob ever listens to the podcast, he'll know that I'm looking for a sponsor. I'm really hard up schlepping to him for uh, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Bob Kebabs. That'd be all right. At least we'd have a sponsor. I'll have to talk to him uh, about that. And uh, so from there, we started following Cubs baseball. Because as we reported back on last Sunday, they were in a virtual tie, dead heat, with the Cardinals headed for a beautiful Bush Stadium. And so no team had won that series uh, from a visitor's perspective, and the Cubs, for some reason, just have a pathetic road record. They can't win on the road. You know, is it the batter's eye? Is it they like their locker room? Is it they don't like the bat first? They don't like to have to get the home team out? And then the, I don't know. They're pathetic. Uh, but I think they're going to figure it out. I'm upbeat. I, the Cubs, I'm just excited about the Cubs right now because no team can they there cannot be a Verlander deal in August. If you'll recall, a couple of years ago, the waiver uh, wire cleared Verlander and the Astros picked him up in a trade and they got rid of some prospects. And so that can't happen anymore in August according to the current rules that the players agreed to. So what did the Astros do? They, at the last minute, did another Verlander deal, but this time, playing by the rules, they did it in July, and they got Zach Granke, a move that I told my buddy, who's a broadcaster with the Brewers, that the Brewers ought to get Zach back. Now, Zach might have the Brewers on a no-trade clause, but they didn't do it. The Astros did it, and let me tell you, how in the world are they going to lose a playoff game when they've got Garrett Cole, who's going to be a free agent next year? They have Verlander, and now they got the Zach attack. Oh, my God, is that a great team? My brother is a Houston Astro f- fan, to say the least, and he's got to be happy. I'm going to see if he won't put me up at his house while I go take in a playoff game for the— World Series between the now the Astros and the Cubs. I've taken the Yankees out of the the race. The Red Sox are pathetic, capital P. Talk about hangover after the World Series. They're worse than the Cubs were. Dombrowski doesn't have a guy that can close, and his attitude is, hey, you know what? I'm paying you guys a lot of money. Start acting like you're uh, worth it. And so don't moan and groan to me that I didn't go out and get anybody at the trade deadline. I got you guys. And you guys are supposed to be better than you're playing. Uh, you know, interesting uh, perspective for the Cubs, on the other hand. They went out and got their 15th second baseman of the year. I don't get that. I mean, I don't get they don't need any more second baseman. Addison Russell went two for four the other day at AAA. Bring him back up. He's going to come up in August. Bring him up now. They got camp fast, little bitty guy. Um, I don't know anything about Kemp. He's got a career 240 average. He has seven career home runs, which I can't believe. The wind had to be blown out wherever he was playing. They got uh, some guy named Phelps for the bullpen. Derek Holland I like. I love the way he pitches. If you've ever watched Derek Holland pitch, it's pretty good. It's fun. He just kind of keeps throwing, and he's not a bad little lefty. Now, I held that position open for... My good friend's son, Sammy Solis, but now Sammy's playing in Japan, and he's out of the picture. Holland could be the modern-day Paul Ossenmacher for you Cleveland Indian groupies out there who followed the Indians, 95, 96, 97. Paul Ossenmacher made a living out of one batter. Lefty, boom, curveball, guy's gone. So that's, uh, that's the report on the Cubs until the trade deadline when they went out and tried to remedy the problem of batting, against left-handed pitching, they went out and they got Nicholas Castellanos from the uh, Detroit Tigers, who almost, almost came into the trivia question of what seven players have got 200 or more extra base hits since the 2017 season, and Castellanos was just three hits off, but guys like, first of all, the entire Colorado Rocky team qualified, you, know, you had Aaron Otto, you had Story, and you had Blackman. There's three of the seven. And then you can fill in the blanks with J.D. Martinez. You can fill in the blank not with Mike Trout. Didn't happen with Trout. But anyway, I digressed. Uh, we went to, we did not go to St. Louis, but I said I was going to report after each game. So let me just summarize after each game. The Cardinals held serve in the first game on August 30th, and the Cubs lost 2-1. to one. Boom, boom, boom. Bad game. Should have won. But they didn't. Then, lo and behold, on the last day of July, the Cubs broke the home team, visiting team slump and beat the Cardinals 2 to nothing. So the teams were still tied for first place after that. And we moved to the month of July, or August. Sorry. See? Another mistake. We moved to the month of August, and the Cubbies... Start of the month of August losing, getting clobbered. 8 to nothing. should have been a no-hitter. I think Castellanos may have shown up for the game and got a hit. There was only one hit by the Cubs. It was bad. And they limped back to Wrigley, cleaned their lockers up, and then got ready for the three-game set with the Brewers. And that brings us to today, Sunday, because today, Sunday, is the day that the Cubs ended their... Th- They're serious with the brewers, and they swept the brewers, and the brewers are, as I said, stick a fork in them. They're bad. Uh, Let's do the Sunday segment, though, now that has become a regular segment on this great show, and that is... Where do we stand on the scoreboard for today, Sunday, August 4th? Because you know what happens on August 5th, I head up to uh, watch the Woodchucks. All right, we got some exciting scores, especially if you're a Cub fan. In the eighth inning, although it's still the eighth inning, and uh, DeJong, who hit up the only home run of the game for the Cardinals, uh, the Oakland A's are winning 3-1 to one in the eighth inning with two out and a run around first base. As I said, the Cubs beat the Brewers seven to two. You know, I always wanted to do I love the wrap up show that uh, Dwayne Stats did with the Cubs. I mean, he was great. He always gives the scores. He'd do the highlights, da 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 da. So I'm, I'm having a good time looking at the scoreboard. Cincinnati won in extra innings over the Braves. My buddy and my buddy Goobs is not gonna like that score. The uh, Braves are kind of struggling, limping along. The Mets thirteen to two over the Pirates. The Pirates have just been pathetic since the All-Star break. And, like, why would anybody do the home run derby? Josh Bell hadn't hit a... I don't think he's gotten a hit since the home run derby. The uh, other good news out of Arizona is that the Diamondbacks are beating the Washington Nationals in the eighth inning, 7-5. to five. The only team worse than the Royals are the Detroit Tigers, who are now losing to the Texas Rangers. And they lost 9-4 to that game-win final. My other favorite team the San Diego Padres are up 8 to 7 over the uh, Dodgers in the 7th inning. The Red Sox play tonight against the Yankees. You can stick a fork in the Red Sox, they're done. White Sox beat uh oh, this is great. I hate Philadelphia. All those bozos. Uh, it's just great. Now, I do like Arietta, but he's hurt, and when he got hurt, they went down. I'm telling you, Harper's a dog. Uh, they got a dog leading the pack. He's a good baseball player. He's a dog. And they're losing 10-5. to 5. And their record is 58-53, and 53. pretty bad. Then we move on to Baltimore. Baltimore is uh, right there with the top three bad teams in the league, the Royals, the Tigers, and the Orioles. Uh, they beat the Blue Jays, who are right there in fourth place as a bad team. The fifth place bad team, the Marlins got clobbered by Tampa Bay seven to two. Cleveland lost one six to two over the Angels. Man, they dropped below five hundred. Let's talk about Cleveland. This is great. One year ago, they had Corey Kluber and they had Trevor Bauer and they had a pretty good pitching staff with Clevenger and a few other guys. Well, they couldn't sign Kluber, so he's with the. Uh, Atlanta Ball Club, and uh, he was gone. Then they had Bauer, and as you remember hearing in the first segment, Bauer threw one over the center field wall at Royal Stadium after uh, he saw Terry Francona coming out to take him out of the game, and uh, that was the last pitch he threw in Cleveland. It sailed clear over the wall in center field. Normally, when you get traded for bad pitching, it's when one of your pitches gets hit over the center field wall. But in Bauer's case, and this guy says, he has a strange he, he has bad timing. He does things. You know, uh, I was listening to somebody else talking about it, and they said that if uh, the pitcher goes in like a few did over the weekend and destroy a TV monitor, which probably costs a couple thou, nobody sees it or cares, but when Bauer threw the ball over the center field wall, it was kind of uh, the end of the line for Trevor. He got traded, uh, and he is now Pitching for Cincinnati, Puig, this was a deadline deal. Puig went uh, uh, and took his place in Cleveland, and uh, that was a pretty good deal for Cleveland. So, Bauer's gone. He's guy, Bauer's a guy, if you'll recall, in the Cubs-Indians World Series 2016. Bauer was flying a drone in between starts, cut his finger and couldn't start a couple of games. And when he did pitch, he had uh, stitches in his hand. Uh, back to the scoreboard. The pathetic Royals lost to the Twins, three to nothing. The Astros beat the Mariners, three to one, and the Rockies beat San Francisco, who is now fifty-six and fifty-six. But oh, we're not going to get rid of Bumgarner. Let me tell you the story on Bumgarner. Uh, I think he's got Boris as an agent. So who wants to deal with those two bozos? And number two, nobody would give up anything for bumgardner So that the, the Four. <laughs> Giants had no no option other than to say well, we're going to keep them because we're in the thick of things. They're no more in the thick of things than I'm going to run the Chicago Marathon this year. Let's see how the Cardinals, oh man, they're still up. It's 3-2. to two. Come on, Oakland. Sorry pitching. That may explain why the Cardinals have a run around first base two out, a run in 3-2. to two. Not looking good, boy. The Cardinals can win some games at the end of the, at the end of the game. It's amazing. So anyway, we're going to take another break because I'm out of things to talk about. That may be good news to some of you. And when we come back, we're going to uh, talk about some things that I'm sure will be of interest to everybody. So on the lighter side of baseball, Jamie Retsky reminding you. Get your Apple Podcast subscription in on the lighter side of baseball. If you don't figure out that little purple thing on your iPhone or you have a Samsung, then stick with SoundCloud because they're still all being uploaded onto SoundCloud. We're in search of ballpark food. We're going to Wausau tomorrow to watch the woodchucks, and we're looking for a sponsor. And I'm going to try to corral Bob Kebab to see if we can be sponsored by Bob Kebab and his wonderful drizzly chocolate treats at Royals games and at the Cows World Series this guy is no slouch when it comes to healthy food at the ball games anyway, that's it Uh, in all reality, Bob's been a friend, his father was involved in minor league baseball forever and we can put Bob on the podcast, that'd be kind of fun, so we'll think about that when we're back in Kansas City Anyway, as it is, Jamie Reske coming to you from Chicago on his way to Wausau, Wisconsin, and then Land Lakes, where we'll do a podcast or two. So that's it for this segment. We're going to come back and wrap it up in a few minutes. Thanks for listening, and uh, go Cubs. So this is segment three on the lighter side of baseball, and I found a couple things on this day in baseball history. I love this segment. This is a new segment that we started last week. Last week, and we're going to do it again because this is kind of fun. And it just proves that no matter how zany you think some antic was, and I'm referring to Trevor Bauer and luckily didn't need Tommy John surgery after he threw the ball over the fence. And uh, parenthetically, apparently a fan threw back a home run ball uh, from the right field corner in a game all the way to the dugout. Uh, on the third base side, so uh, that guy was signed up to a minor league contract, and I hope that he does well. In 1903, Nap Lahue, a Hall of Famer, L-A-J-O-I-E, strange way to spell his name, but if you think his last name's Goofy, I love his first name, Nap, because I need naps now that I'm retired. Anyway, he was so furious that umpire Tom Conley put an old black baseball into play that nap threw the ball over the grandstand, just like uh, Trevor Bauer. And his action resulted in Cleveland forfeiting the game to Detroit. That was pretty funny. So, and then in 1909, Eddie Collins, a member of the Black Sox team that made the Hall of Fame, umpire Tim Hurst instigates a riot by spitting at Eddie Collins. See, everything happens before you think you've seen something like Robbie Alomar spitting at an umpire? You think that's new? No, this was the umpire spitting at Eddie Collins. This is, it led to the umpire being banished from baseball. Two weeks later, banished, just like some of Eddie Collins' teammates. Ha! Let's see, what else happened in the third inning of a game in 1941? Mickey Owens, famous catcher for dropping third strikes, catches three foul flies. That's the first time in Major League history that that has ever happened. And... Uh, Let's see what else was kind of interesting. Uh, This is good. In 1983, the year that the White Sox won the division, Harold Baines was a star, Harold Baines of the Hall of Fame. See, everything's connected. Everything's connected. In fact, if any of you remember seeing a seagull recently, you'll wonder about this story. While warming up before the fifth inning of the Yankees' 3-1 win over the Blue Jays at the old Exhibition Stadium, I had been there. Not only did I see the first World Series game north of the border at the Sky Dome, where McDonald's was a concessionaire, if you'll recall, but I saw a game at Exhibition Stadium, and that was something else. But anyway, named Exhibition Stadium for the Olympics that were held in Toronto, apparently, I think, or maybe just the state fair. Would that be the country fair? Or, uh, you know, how bad is that? Anyway, I digressed. So, while he was warming up, Winfield threw the ball and it accidentally, you know, I'm an animal lover, but okay, things happen. He killed a seagull. I think y'all remember that. And uh, he was brought in to the Ontario Provincial Police Station on charges of cruelty to animals and he was released on a $500 bond. Come on. The team was so upset that they lost the game that the... Uh, uh, Ontario Provincial Police charged him with uh, animal cruelty later dropped. One of our great, great friends of the show not really, one of the great friends of Dave Nelson friend of the show, Tom Seaver, great pitcher has a great bottle of wine for uh, for me and I, for all of my listeners will have a bottle of Tom Seaver wine called GTS one of the best wines ever made in Napa Valley, but at any rate Seaver became just the 17th 300-game winner uh, in baseball on uh, that, this day in 1985. And then today, uh, not trying to hit a home run, but going with the pitch, Anthony Rizzo got four hits. And the ball that he hit the hardest was a line drive that was out on this day in baseball. Tony Gwynn, Hall of Famer, uh, got six hits against the Giants. He was, uh, it was the outfielder's fourth game in this 1993 with five or more hits. How about that? And on this day in 1996, Jim Bunning, who was the manager of a friend of mine's college team, and Earl Weaver, one of the great arguers in baseball this side of Billy Martin, got into the Hall of Fame. And uh, that's about it for this day in baseball. So we head back in time to the scoreboard show, one of our new features that we really like On in addition to this stand baseball, and it's uh, the top of the ninth and the Oakland uh, Athletics have a 4 to 2 lead and, good news, Cup fans, it just became official. Oakland 4, St. Louis 2, uh, the only, this is interesting, the only person of birthright that's a Gypsy, And I didn't even know gypsies were like a real nationality. Uh, maybe they don't have a flag, but they certainly have a lot of great history. Uh, I'm told the only official gypsy in Major League Baseball is uh, uh, Rourke, the pitcher who got the win. He was traded uh, by somebody to uh, the A's at the deadline, and he got the win. And uh it couldn't be any sweeter when St. Louis loses. What could make it sweeter? Wainwright gets the loss. Ha! And uh, Hendricks is save. Not Jimmy Hendricks, but some other Hendricks. It's 11th save. So, that's official. The Diamondback game is over. The Nationals lost. It's a great day. What the Padres do? Bottom of the eighth. They're up 10 to 8. And it's almost time for the Yankee game to start. So,. For the rest of this show, and it will be brief, we're going to look at the deadline deals in Major League Baseball, and uh, let's go over them in a little bit of detail. Well, first, let's examine the National League Central, since that's a league that I'm interested in. The Cubs, we talked a little bit about some of the moves they made. They did pretty well. I think Castellanos is a really good move, and I'm excited about him. Uh, the Cardinals did absolutely nothing. The Brewers amazingly did virtually nothing. And they needed pitching, and they didn't get any pitching. So, uh, and the Pirates and the Reds are playing themselves out of the deal. So, uh, again, the best deal outside of the uh, Cubs would have been Zank- Zach Ranky to the um Astros and everything else was there wasn't a, there wasn't anything to really get too excited about. I mean, you had the Bauer for Puig deal after Bauer threw the ball away. You had the uh, Marlins making a few trades that are for prospects. The Rays traded Faria to the Brewers for Jesus Aguilar, which I don't understand what the Brewers were doing in that regard. Um, you got the Tigers trading uh, Shane Green to the Braves. That was a pretty good move for the Braves, and then. Uh, Gosh, I mean, it was pretty anticlimactic. So, um, uh, you know, the Giants traded Dyson to the Twins for prospects, and um, Tanner Rourke to the A's, and he won today. The Mariners traded Mike Leake, who cares? The Reds traded Scooter Jeanette to the Giants. Stupid deal. Dan Hudson went from the Blue Jays to the Nationals. And the Cardinals traded Jorko for somebody that I've never heard of. And Hunter Strickland, uh, who was a right-hand pitcher, goes to the Nationals. So the Nationals were trying to beef up a little bit. But, I mean, by and large, this was as unexciting as the uh, offseason. No big deal. So, man, you know, as much as the players want to strike, they, they shouldn't since they're all making so much money. But, again, we need to get a basement. We need to make every owner pay $120 million in payroll. We need to get these teams more equal because the Cubs are in a league with the Red Sox, Yankees, and maybe the uh, Astros, the Orioles, Royals, and the Marlins and some of these other teams. Boy, they're just pathetic. They're not getting any better. The Royals aren't getting any better. Uh, anyway, so the deadline deals were the I would say they they fizzled. They didn't sizzle. Uh, the Cubs have a game and a I think they've got a game and a half lead in the standings. Let's check the standings before we get off the air because uh, that's what's interesting and that's what we're talking about here. So tonight. The Cubs are up on the Cardinals by a game and a half and four up on the Brewers, Uh, the Reds and the Pirates. You can stick a fork in. The the Braves, man, you know, they lost, but they've been six and four. They got a big run differential of plus 58. They got a seven-game lead over Philadelphia, which I love. They have a seven-game lead over the Nationals and a 10-game lead over the Mets. The Dodgers, as mediocre as they're playing, and they didn't do anything in the trade deadline. They could have built up a little bit of bullpen help. They didn't do anything. They figured, well, we got a 16 and a half game lead. We're going to play the wild card winner. No problema. 171 game run differential for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and they are holding a 16-and-a-half game over the San Francisco. I think we can really get into the playoffs and make a difference and not trade Baumgartner Giants. Then we've got the Yankees. They still have comfortable seven and a half games. We got the Twins that are holding their own. They got a three-game lead. They have won three in a row. The uh, Indians have won three in a row. The Twins' run differential is 141. The Tribe's 74. That's pretty good. The Astros have an eight and a half-game lead. They're not getting it caught by Oakland. So, that being said, how's the wild card games looking? Well, the Cardinals are are a half game up on the Phillies and the uh, Nats and the brewers are holding in there they had d-backs the giants are two and a half the mets are three come on Uh, there's too many teams to play run over the cubs run differential 76 it's kind of the uh, braves have won 66 the dodgers have won 73 the cubs finally won their 60th game so you know it's pretty much like i said last week the races are over except for the two central divisions and i think Uh, that the Cubs are coming out strong. I got pennant fever. I'm excited about the Cubs. I'm a little disappointed in the Padres. I'm kind of irritated at the Giants. Uh, The Mets are ridiculous. The Reds, should have been better? The Pirates, a lot of bad teams, and that's baseball's fault. It should be closer than that. And uh, that's my... Talk back on parody. So that's it. I'm going to wrap it up. It's been fun. I can't wait to broadcast next from uh, uh, Wausau, Wisconsin, the home of the Woodchucks. Tomorrow night, we're going to do a podcast, and it should be exciting. I am pumped, not only for the food, but to see some of these college kids swing a wooden bat. It's going to be awesome. So I will talk to you uh, soon, and I hope you guys have a great start to the dog days of summer we have another 50 games left in the baseball season until the playoffs and i'm starting to think the cubs might start winning a few games on the road i'm excited so until tomorrow uh, may all your drives be straight may the grass be incredibly green and may your favorite team uh, go on a winning streak that's it good night have a great night Jamie Ritzke on the lighter side of baseball, on the lighter side of sponsors, signing off.